Bring us reach your hand towards Ben. God, I just pray you would bless this man right now, Father. He's got so much wisdom in him, so much good to share, and I just pray that he would be able to share it easily, that the words would just come easily today, Father, that you would just flow through him, and every other thought would be gone, and it would just be on you. Amen. 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 Uh, Great to see you all. Um, Yeah, just following up on things, it feels a a little strange being back here, I think, after a couple of different weeks. Do you know what I mean? Because, you know, a fortnight ago, obviously, we had uh, time here and then went over to uh, Sawbridgeworth to watch uh, people. I'm looking for them. There's Dan at the back and Bill at the back. Uh, I'm not sure about Chanel, but we got to watch them get baptised, which was fabulous over at Sawbridgeworth. Uh, so that was a different morning. And then, as Polly said last week, uh, a complete change of scenery uh, where we all uh, ended up uh, down in Lee Valley Athletic Stadium. Uh, not doing athletics, I'll be pleased to say, although the track did look quite good. Um, but yeah, joining with others. And then coming back in here, um, it's like, okay, we're back to God's central family. We're back to doing what we feel God has called us to do uh, in this place, in this season, for the glory of his name. Um, and so if you want to be getting ahead, in a couple of minutes, Jim's going to come up and read from the middle of uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 7. So that's where we're going to be heading. There should be some church Bibles out there Um, and if you've missed a few Sundays or like me just trying to get back into Ecclesiastes I think the the big drop or backdrop to Ecclesiastes is the there's nothing new under the sun and the wisdom that comes through you know it's a book that kicks off straight from the word go by saying you're meaningless everything is meaningless or vanity everything is vanity depending on your thing and it's like life without God doesn't have meaning that's what that's what Solomon is is drilling at is that there's more to life than just collecting cars, houses, job titles, whatever else. You know, that there's a, there's a relationship walking with Almighty God, which, uh, which just top trumps all of that. And it's our standing with God, therefore, that is critical. Do you know what I mean? That, 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 you know, that getting our hearts right before him is a huge deal. And um, I think... You know, the book of Ecclesiastes so far, and today's going to be no exception, is a bit like a kind of spiritual health check, where there's going to be some kind of big issues Solomon's just going to plough straight into. And it's about them processing and thinking, okay, what is the condition of my soul? Where am I at? Do you mean? And so, you know, that's, that's a big question. And it's one just to be mulling every sort of time we look at this book and in life. You know, are we, where are we at the moment? Are we feeling hopeful? Are we feeling joyful? Are we grieving? Are we scared? Are we peaceful? You know, what is the condition of our soul? And uh, so with that backdrop, uh, let's just uh, welcome Jim up. And he's just going to read. Today we're going to go Ecclesiastes 7, verse 15, through to the first verse of chapter 8, if you're following. Um, So hopefully, that's where you're reading from, is it? Yes. Good. Okay, we're on the same page. That's always good. Just just, just want to check, because, you know... (laughs) got to get these things right. Go on. Okay, so uh, Ecclesiastes 7, verse 15. In this meaningless life of mine, I have seen both of these, the righteous perishing in their righteousness and the wicked living long in their wickedness. Do not be over-righteous, neither be over-wise. Why destroy yourself? Do not be over-wicked and do not be a fool. Why die before your time? It is good to grasp the one and not let go of the other. Whoever fears God will avoid all. 
Wisdom makes one wise person more powerful than ten rulers in a city. Indeed, there is no one on earth who is righteous, no one who does what is right and never sins. Do not pay attention to every word people say, or you may hear your servant cursing you. For you know in your heart that many times you yourself have cursed others. All this I tested by wisdom, and I said, I am determined to be wise. But this was beyond me. Whatever exists is far off and most profound. Who can discover it? I turned my mind to understand, to investigate and to search our wisdom and the scheme of things, and to understand the stupidity of wickedness and the madness of folly. I find more bitter than death the woman who is a snare, whose heart is a trap and whose hands are chains. The man who pleases God will escape her, but the sinner she will ensnare. Look, says the teacher, this is what I have discovered. Adding one thing to another to discover the scheme of things, while I was searching but not finding. I have found one upright man among a thousand, but not one upright woman among them all. Fair com it's a fair comment. <clears throat> this only I have found. God created humanity upright, but they have gone in search of many schemes. Who is like the wise? Who knows the explanation of things? Wisdom brightens the face and changes its hard appearance. Thanks, Jim. Uh, let's just pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is life to us, Lord, and that... Uh, that we ask, Holy Spirit, would you, yeah, would you be with us? Would you bring to life uh, these words? Would you um, reveal Jesus to us afresh? We thank you for him leaving heaven, coming to earth, dying in our place so that we can have eternity with you. And Lord, we ask, yeah, would your name be glorified this morning? Would everything be about you? Lord, that, uh, yeah, that lives be transformed by your glorious gospel in Harlow and to the ends of the earth. And all God's people said, Amen. Okay, so uh, an interesting passage. And uh, I'll be honest, I spent uh, about two weeks ago, I started looking at this, and, uh, and I struggled. I really struggled. I went to and fro. There was a lot of good commentaries written on it. Uh, I, I probably read it more than I normally do and got nowhere. Uh, and then came to a point of actually thinking, Okay, God, what do you want to say to Ben Clark and God's central family via this? And that was a turning point. It's so obvious, but it's so often the way we don't do things, of asking God to do what he wants to do and letting him be God. And that's a question I'm going to come back to at the end because I feel it knits back in with the text. But I want to challenge us right from the word go. Is do we act first, pray later? Or do we pray first, then act? And uh, in this instance, I definitely got it the wrong way round. And, and I've got a couple of other examples. But I think, you know, do we build our lives or do we ask God to build our lives? I mean, do we go about fixing things or do we ask God to do what he is capable of doing. You know, I sat on um, Norfolk coastline on Thursday night 
And uh, I was just reminded as I gazed out over kind of the edge of the cliff and the sea and the wind farm that's there, you know, the, the phrase, you know, <laughs> who would design God a house? You know, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And you're sitting there looking at creation thinking, and we try to do this to the Almighty. And I think there are many times where we've just got to literally sit and relax in God. You know, I love what Ben said about waking up early and just sitting and being. That's what we're called to do. Um, so pulling out from today's text, I've got three key bits which should appear up, uh, which we're going to look at. And there's loads more, but the first one we're going to look at in a minute is karma or God's sovereign plan from the first bit of uh, Ecclesiastes 7.15. Then a nice one, uh, grace and legalism balance. Well, I think that, that one's going to itch a bit, do you know what I mean? And then whose approval are you living for is, is a massive question that underlines the whole thing. And then I've got a little bit of a, a little bit that I feel God would speak to us about God's central heart check. Um, but karma or God's sovereign plan, do you mean, I, you know, it's a big issue. Do you know what I mean? You know, that we, we as... Well, let's go back. If we look at the book of James, which mirrors a lot of Ecclesiastes, written by Jesus' half-brother in the New Testament, okay? James talks a lot about pure religion, about, you know, the foundations of everything being upon Christ, about being uh, a people of grace, and, and, and that's really good. Do you mean, you know, the German monk, Martin Luther, which we looked at at Word Plus, you know, called it the great exchange, that all of our, all of our wrongdoing is made right in Christ. It, it, you know, it's a beautiful exchange, which you'd never do. Do you know what I mean? But it puts us right and takes us from having eternity without God to eternity with God, which is good news and should invoke more than two or three smiles. But, but we're working hard this morning. You know? But there's always a flip side. Do you know what I mean? And the flip side to the pure religion, which James talks about, is bad religion. And bad religion normally links somewhere in with karma, although Christians would be very quick to say it doesn't. So I'm going to, I'm going to just unpack that a little. Because uh, in karma, let's be clear, is you get what you deserve. You do good, you get good, you do bad, you, do, you get bad. Okay? And, and Christians just don't go there. But the, I think, having walked around circles and looked at myself in a mirror, sometimes I may think that isn't the case, but I actually functionally operate, maybe, with a bit of karma influence. And what I mean by that, and I'll give some hypothetical examples, they're not based on anyone, uh, but if something bad happens to sometimes someone, we can sometimes assume that God is punishing them, or they've done something wrong before God, or there's something un 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 uh, yeah, just not right going on. And if on the flip side, we can often assume if someone's going to go through great things that, that we can see just blessing upon blessing going on them, that therefore that they are doing everything right. And, I, and that isn't how it works. And that's what Solomon is saying. is that He's saying good people can die young. Example would be Stephen, who we know was the first stoned by the Apostle Paul while he was still Saul. You know, died young, had lived was appointed there in the book of Acts, you know, died. Jesus, another example. Do you know what I mean? You know, and yet you can also see in the Bible, sometimes wicked people live, live, live long lives. We've got pharaohs in the Old Testament having years and years and years. Go down the British Museum, you can read about them. Do you know what I mean? You know, you've got King Herod outliving other people. And so, you know, when life's going well, you know, let's not get into the habit of patting ourselves on the back and saying, oh, we've earned it. <laughs> no, let's be thankful to God 
for his grace upon us. And when life's going poorly, let's not assume that we've automatically got something wrong, that we're a bad person or God's punishing us. No, that it may just be things have happened and that God is still going to work through it. Many of these things can be the case. You know, money is another one I just want to throw in there. You know, I read this beautiful commentary and it said, you know, Judas was paid for betraying Christ. And Job lost everything for honouring God. Kingdom economy. Just doesn't make sense. Until you trust in the character of God. And that's what Solomon is driving us at all the way down here. That we can throw out the notion of karma and we can trust in the sovereignty of God. And to do that, we need to do as the writer to the Hebrews says, we need to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. To know our God. Because if we know him, if we know he is our good father, if we know he is a God of love, if we know he has the best plans for us, then when life's breakers come, we don't run, we cling to Christ. We bind ourselves to him, knowing that he will outwork things. It may not be Ben Clark's way. It may not be Jim Seeley's way. It may not be Mark Walker's way. It will be God's way, because funny enough, he's God, I'm not, you're not. So therefore, we need to have a right setting with where we say and trust in his word that we live according to it, that we are fueled by the Holy Spirit who breathes us and we walk according to our God. I've been listening to uh, a Bethel worship track. We had it at the last, mo- uh, last month's prayer and fasting night. You know, <laughs> you know, all my life, you have been faithful. You know, it was, uh, I haven't told you this, I sat opposite Jim and I know some of Jim's history, and to hear that being sung, to have Dan in the room, and myself, I'm thinking, yeah, we can say, all our lives, even when we didn't know you, you spared us, God. Today, you spared me things, because you are good, and at that I will anchor myself. So we trust in a sovereign, loving, heavenly Father, who is doing good. And then after that, we get on to the second one of this grace legalism balance. And it's like, if Solomon's just gone for the, gone in one verse quite hard, he's about to really nail it and put a bit more on. Because Jesus, when, when he walked this earth, talked about the Christian walk being like a narrow path. And uh, I know loads of you have done more walking than I have around here. But you all know the deal where you've got these paths where you've got to be careful. And uh, on a path, I've learned, there are two ways you can go wrong. You can go wrong to the left, or you go wrong to the right. If you keep going straight on the path, you're normally all right. <laughs> so you've got to worry about the left or the right. And uh, the way that I think this unpacks uh, for us as in our Christian walk is if we consider veering to overly to the left would be having an overemphasis on grace. And I'll, I'll unpack that in a minute. Whereas it veering to the right would be an overemphasis on legalism. And there are two camps that go there. So let's unpack the, the easy left first. Okay? The easy, overly left diversion of grace is one that we can naturally fall into if we tend to be lazy or just not astute. Um, we can convince ourselves that God's like some sort of permissive parent, that we can push this boundary, push this boundary, push this boundary, and it'll be all right. Do you know what I mean? You know, that we take no regard for things. Do you know what I mean? And we overemphasize, you know, the, the love, the uh, 
belief, the grace concept. You know, the Apostle Paul actually writes about this in uh, Romans 6, verse 1, where he says, you know, uh, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? And then it's by no means. That, that we don't just keep pushing on, regardless of our sin, going left and left and left, because that's not what God called us to. But on the other side, the veer to the right is equally a big trap. And I think when I looked at this, I thought, Ben, you've been down both of these quite well. You know, if we go to the right, we try to be very devout, very righteous. We like our rules on the right-hand side, and we've probably got them stuck to the fridge, a bit like a child's merit chart, where you get pluses and you get minuses. Do you know what I mean? And some of those we invent ourselves because we quite like rules. So we build rules upon rules upon rules upon rules. And we ridicule, you know, the Pharisees of Jesus' day for doing this. But we have a basically a merit and a demerit system. And then we look at our rules and we start judging other people by them. <laughs> it's like, well, no, I'd never do that. Look at that. And we just end up going to the right. And uh, there's one of my favourite parables, uh, you know, the parable of the prodigal God or the prodigal son, which talks just about that, where you've got a young son who basically takes it all, and he takes the left path of grace. He takes it, he squanders it on, you know, drink and life and fun. He just bends the rules. And then you've got the older son, who, you know, is the legalistic one, who is so bang, 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 doesn't even celebrate when his dad's happy that his brother's back, because the rules have gone so far. And... You know, Solomon Weiss wisely says, do you know what I mean? Both, left and right, have erred. Keep to the narrow path. How do you keep to the narrow, narrow path? Well, the narrow path is Jesus. Do you know what I mean? The narrow path is Jesus Christ, Son of God, who came and made a way for us. You know, the people on the left, when Jesus was around, they, they, they found him all a bit too serious about this sin and repentance lark. Do you know what I mean? You know, when he told a woman to stop sleeping around, that wasn't the done thing. Do you know what I mean? You know, on the right, they found him a bit too lax and carefree. You know, he was known as Jesus, friend of sinners. Do you know what I mean? Because he went to parties. Left and right, both troubled with Jesus. And I would say, you know, that, that we need to find a path that works. Knowing that, knowing that we will veer, but knowing that God will steer us back in by his Holy Spirit. And the fact that God's grace is for us and that his love encapsulates us is good news for us in God's centre of chosen to follow him because it means there is forgiveness that, w that we can come rightfully with a good heart before our God and ask him to steer us back onto the path whether we've gone left or right but grace and legalism were not, were not gone in Solomon's time weren't gone in Jesus' time and still I would say all of us in this room if we're honest would battle with going one way or the other. Which leads us into the third part I pulled out of this, which is from verses 21 and 22, which is whose approval are you living for? And this links in with the other two. It links in with the, the, the kind of judging and trying to work out where we stand with God. It, 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 it links in with the the, gracious, the overly gracious or the overly devout lifestyle. It's where is our root? Where is identity? And the striking thing is it would appear 3,000 years ago that eavesdropping and gossip were a little bit of a problem. And I'm going to suggest 
as, as Ecclesiastes says, there's nothing new under the sun, that it's still a problem in 2019. That it's probably a problem which we've all dealt with, been involved with, and probably, if we're honest, been on both sides with in our lives. Because it's massive. And I think the age we live in, particularly with the involvement of the internet and social media, has probably made it ten times worse in this last period. That's only Ben Clark's thoughts. You know, but it's like, you know, we can now see things and write things which you'd never write or say if you were sat talking to people, you know, a hundred years ago. Do you know what I mean? You know, you, know you, you look at the social media stuff and you know, there's people getting their re ratings, their reviews, living for the approval of the clicks. You know, and it's, it's just a different world. You know, people are obsessing over their stuff. And the problem is that while we all look for the positive build-up, there's probably going to be a negative one there as well. And when we find the negative one, we don't like it. So you then research where it came from. And you probably, if you're not careful, get tricked into doing something back or saying something back or your heart gets turned. And before you know it, we've gone round this whole, whole cycle and this flame throwing erupts and problems come. I loved one commentator wrote this about this passage. He said, before long, the whole world is invited in. And like monkeys at the zoo, the poo flinging commences as one. <laughs> I thought, brilliant. I mean, the whole world invited in, and like the monkeys at the zoo, let's just start throwing the poo around. And, and you're all smiling because you know, you kind of get where he's coming from on it. It was, a brilliant, it, it was a brilliant little quote. And I think Solomon's advice here, which would be echoed through the New Testament writers, uh, is if you can't ignore it, there's better things to do. You know? And the better things to do are to enjoy time with God, to dwell with him to not get caught up in things but to get God's viewpoint to get time with your creator the one who made you the one who, who sustains you because he will do good to you you know verse 29 builds on that further it says see this alone I found that God made man upright but they have sought out many schemes if you know the beginning book of the Bible and if you don't you're going to know it in a little bit but God finished his work creating the world and he said it's good it gets better. You know, God then finished humanity. He called it very good. You may not believe that if you're looking to the person left or right, but God said that, that we, mankind, are very good. And then, then this bad comes in. And then this very bad, if you want to go there. And the difference is, it's, it's the human sin that's come in. You know? And yes, God is sovereign and he's good. Do you know what I mean? But God is not in any way to be linked with the bad or evil. That, that's not in his character. That we've got to go back to the character that God is good. That, that the worst thing we can do is to try and blame God for bad things because that's not in his nature. Do you mean the world is not the way God made it? You know, as, as mankind, we've walked generation after generation and even in our own lives a crooked downward path that takes us away. And so we have nothing, no one really to blame but ourselves. But there is a way out. And that is by Jesus. Yeah? And the way out is following the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. Yeah, the Holy Spirit is, is God. Holy Spirit will straighten us, will empower us, will, will nudge us left and right, will guide us along pathways, and will give us wisdom. 
which is the great news at the start of chapter 8, is that, you know, the Holy Spirit will reveal wisdom to us to navigate through this life. Because you, like myself, have got a lot of choices to make. Some small ones, like how you're going to get back from here, what you're going to drink for refreshments, did you remember your picnic? If not, who's you going to nick? Is Mark's picnic big enough for everyone? We've got small level choices. We've then got bigger level choices of, of where are we going to work? Who are we going to engage with? Who are we going to build relationships with? Who are we going to, who are we going to run with? Who are we going to listen to? You know, what are we going to build things on? And, and all of this, it needs a response from us. Because you can't just sit and just let life go by. Because you need to eat, you need to drink, you need to... You, know, you can't just withdraw into a bomb shelter. You know, and, and so we've got to know, how do we process all these things? And as we're processing those, some of those are going to be great, and some of those are going to be tough. And in those, both the great and the tough, God is at work. You know, and so it's being anchored in God that when things are good, we, we don't ignore him from the celebrations. Yet when things are tough, we go through knowing that God is with us. You know, the blessed be your name. You know, everything God walks us through if we have him as a foundation. And the real beauty is that in our troughs, when life is tough, quite often is when our faith shines brightest. That as we're going through trials and tribulations, the steadfastness that we have in Christ is very different to those who don't have Christ as a firm foundation. And so it is, in many ways, an opportunity to shine brightly for Jesus, to see him glorified, to become his witnesses in the world, as he told us he was going to do in Matthew 28. That wisdom helps us become confident that no matter what comes, God is at work. It doesn't remove the obstacle necessarily, but it gets us through. If we choose to fix our eyes on Jesus and keep them there, not on the situation. And that's really key for us who are part of God's central family. If I can do the last couple of minutes in-house, so to speak. Because I think one of the things God's been really speaking to me about and us about is just abiding in him. Of knowing that it's all is all about Jesus not just because we've got a nicely designed banner but because it's the truth that we can do nothing outside of him that he gave us the breath today he caused our bodies to function today he brought us through here for his glory and as I was mulling I was I went back to 1 Kings 18 Elijah, where our name God Central comes from, as a lot of you will know at Mount Carmel. But before that, we've got, we've got this situation where Elijah prays and God shuts up the heavens. No rain. And then he prays for rain. And nothing happens. He goes away, prays, goes away, prays, goes away looking. And it occurred to me, as I was running uh, through Chroma, that, that Elijah didn't do what I'd have done, which is I'd have turned left and got into the DIY centre and probably bought a hose or a spray. Uh, me, you know, I, I'd have tried to fix the rain problem. But he didn't. He just spent time and abided with God. 
And then we get the part where our name comes from. You know, Elijah's there on Mount Carmel. He's rebuilt the altar. You know, the other prophets are doing their stuff. And, and, and what happens is he prays. And fire comes down. Again, no petrol, no lighter fluid, nothing to encourage, if anything, the water to dissuade, to let God be God and do what he wants to do. And then I was uh, talking with, with the kids and we were talking about the, the New Testament and the, the two sisters, Mary and Martha, who obviously we know Jesus comes to the house. One of them's running around doing all the stuff. The other is spending time with Jesus. And I just felt again, God saying to me, yeah, there's always stuff to do, Ben. There's always going to be stuff to do in your life, but not at the expense of spending time with me, sunshine. You know, that, that is key. Yeah, there are times, if you're like me, when we are so busy, we just turn up to things. You know, I've turned up to business meetings, I've turned up to medical appointments, just, and just got there by the grace of God. I've been quite happy about that. But on reflection, did I bring those things before God? Do you mean, you know, I'd say there are times where I've turned up at church meetings in probably the same manner. Do you know what I mean? And actually, I think loads of us, again, smiles are in telaway, people. You know, I think we can, we can be caught into doing this. Where we, where we turn up and ask God to bless what we're doing rather than actually sitting and waiting for him. Uh, my kind of favourite Bible passage which God's just used for the last sort of 20, 30 years with me is Isaiah 26 verse 8 which if you've been around a lot of you'll know and uh, from the NIV it says yes Lord, walking in the way of your laws we wait for you your name and your renown are desire of our hearts and the we wait for you I think God just, just grabbed me with and I think it was a question that God lovingly asked that as God central are we waiting for God are we waiting on God are we fueling ourselves in God is, is time with our Heavenly Father at the paramount of everything do you know what I mean you know, if we could make one God central meeting a month would it be the monthly prayer time? I'd encourage it to be so. That actually, that we get there, that we serve out of time with God. That, that that's more important than your slot serving on a rotor. It's more important than rushing there. That it's about being with God and with God's people and letting him do things. You know, uh, as Polly said, last week we had the privilege of being down with our friends at Jubilee Enfield. And uh, back in 2010... Uh, not many of you would remember this but in 2010 we had a launch event at, at, at Harlow Playhouse and uh, at Harlow Playhouse uh, Jubilee Band came on the 14th of November 2010 and uh, I learnt a lesson very quickly in that as Sam and Matt and, and the band rocked up uh, we were we were all we, you know, we were pumped, we were looking forward to it, first public meeting, you know, there was 14 of us going to be there, it was going to be great and we had a load of other guests that took it up to about 100 and, and we, were, we were doing stuff and I remember, Jubilee, they came and they prayed no unpacking of stuff, no, no moving chairs, no tables they, they, they stopped and they prayed and it was something that was that, that, that just, it defined us as God's end, that actually that was good practice 
you know and and I think you know our, you know we look at some of the prophetic words God's given us about you know being founded on prayer about being a house of prayer and I think God would just graciously nudge us and say come on to wait on me we've got great kingdom advancing we've got great sizable church building work ahead but the foundation is Christ individually and corporately and I would just beg us to to take time with God and I want to make, make a, share a little vulnerable story um, from the Clark household uh, of that started this kind of process and uh, I want to take you back and some of you will know bits of this um, but if I go back to uh, it's Holy Thursday the Thursday before Good Friday um, I'd been at school doing Easter school as loads of you know and uh, a few of you will know uh, our car had been playing up a bit on the brakes and uh, Ben being Ben decided I'd ordered the brakes in we're going to fix it do you know what I mean? And uh, that's good because, you know, I, I like those sort of things. I like the project. So, so it's been a long day. I've got a couple of hours at the end of the day. Here we go. So jack the car up, wheels off, uh, new brake discs, pull the old ones off, goes put the new ones on. It's going great guns. Near side, passenger side, done. Driver side, we've got a problem. We've got a seized caliper. And I was like, oh, man. It was like literally about quarter past five on Thursday. Everywhere's going to be shut tomorrow. Claire, we need a new part. So there I am, frantically searching the internet. Jimmy, my next door neighbour knows a bit. He's, he's on his tablet, I'm on mine. Steve's helping me, rubbing this. Oh man, my car's rubbish, got no wheels on it now. It's going to be bank holiday. We were supposed to be going somewhere the next day as well, just because, you know, Ben doesn't think these things through. And it was just one of those moments. And uh, blow me, nowhere had one in stock. Nowhere in Harlow had one in stock. Steve tried a, 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 a trade contact, no joy. And so, uh, with a bit of the ump, I was like, right, we've just got to get the kids to bed now, because it was about sort of 7.30, and uh, we're going to have to have a think on this. And so, uh, literally, we put the kids to bed, and uh, we're having a little prayer time, and uh, one of them pipes up, and, uh, God, could you just fix the car? <laughs> I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, brought her up well. Uh, no. And do you know what? We prayed about it, and... No lie, and check with Claire. We, we went, I went and said goodnight to the girls. Claire had already gone downstairs, and she found an exact replacement part on eBay uh, from a bloke who was breaking one up in Cambridge. And I was like, okay, that's great, we can get that, we'll fix it. And so she messaged him. He messaged back, literally, by the time I got, I got down, it's ping. Yeah, I'm around. What, tomorrow you're around? Yeah. So literally, this deal was done in like 10 minutes. The next morning I drove up to Cambridge. It was exactly the right part. It was in great condition. It went straight on the car. And yeah, you know, we had a working car. But I think more than that, we, we learned a lesson, <laughs> a big lesson in that God cares about all the little stuff. And in my haste of doing the, I can fix this, I just totally gone into overdrive of the skills I've got and hear me I'm not saying therefore and please hear me on this I'm not saying we don't use the brains and the resources God's given us because by common grace we live in a brilliant age but where I'd gone was further off the, off the pattern where I'd just spent honestly two hours probably trying to sort something without even involving my creator and when I did yeah I wish I'd done it earlier <laughs> 
And I think that for me, being really honest, was, was a key player, is that what we do is based upon who we are. Because you and I, we come from dust and we return to dust. He is eternal. Our, our greatest achievement from that is to shine brightly for him. That people forget us but find eternity with God. That, that others come to know the love, the warmth, the acceptance, the hope, the purpose, the destiny which many of us in this room have. And we do so trusting that God can change other lives because he's done it with us. And we're nothing special, brothers and sisters. I love you. I look forward to coming together. But we're, we're nothing other than we are because we are made by God, put together by God. And so I just, I just finish with a, a God Central Health check that, 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 we, that we keep becoming a people of prayer. That we realise that God is gracious. That he didn't let Ben Clark wreck the entire bank holiday weekend. <laughs> that he doesn't let you go thus far. But there is a learning and a journey which is rich for all of us. And, uh, and that's where we're going to close. We're just going to pray. Um, in fact, we're going to pray. That's one of the words that Louisa graciously picked me up on yesterday. That, that we're going to pray because it's important. It's what we're called to do. And then we're going to take communion. For those of us who follow Jesus, it's a time of celebrating his death and resurrection from us. And we're going to do so with joy, with hope, with purpose. Again, if you're visiting and in good standing, then please join us. If you're observing, then please just do it. We'll, we'll probably bring it up the front, I think. Oh, yeah, we'll bring it up the front and we'll serve. And we'll worship and we'll enjoy God. But Father God, thank you that you are amazing. Thank you that you are awesome. That you are the almighty one, the one who was and is and is to come. Thank you that you care about every single one of us here. <laughs> every single person on the face of this earth. God, that you are, uh, you are so good to us. Lord, we thank you for your blessings upon blessings upon blessings. Lord, and we choose to be a people who, who declare your praise, who anchor ourselves in you, who will share your good news to this town and to the nations. Father God, would you help us all to do individual health checks? Would you help us and lovingly correct us? Would you correct us as a body that we become more useful, more meaningful in the purpose you've designed us for of seeing hundreds and thousands of lives transformed by your glorious gospel? We ask all that in the beautiful name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Uh, we're just going to get kids back in, I think, and then uh, all-age communion, I think. Um, so, uh, I'm looking to the band. Yeah, we're good to go. And, um, yeah, just genuinely love being with you. Um, and if you want your car fixed, go somewhere else. <laughs> Andrew's good at them.